Okay, now we've had a little break or refreshing the mind. So I want to speak uh, more about well-being within ourselves, in the world, in our communities. And I think this topic is appropriate for what we're living with these days. Uh, not just these days, but very demonstratively now. Because there's a lot going on uh, within and between all of us, the world. And so how are we going to uh, have an enduring and authentic sense of well-being when there's so much commentary that is pointing toward not well-being? So how can we not get swept away by the momentum of um, the media and really to know and recognize our own sensibilities and our own connection with the world and others uh, so that we are not kind of blown away. We're not just kind of carried around by headlines. So it's important to recognize that there are a lot of conditioning influences, historical and present and anticipatory. So my subtext or subtitle for this uh, talk is the beauty in the eye of others. Beauty in the eyes of those who behold it. There's beauty everywhere. Do we recognize it? So I want to mention that our understanding of beauty is kind of lopsided, partly because of the intense media. And we have to really recognize within ourselves what is the beauty of others in your life or in yourself. Because we prone, we all respond to the beauty in our lives and the beauty in others. And I'm not talking exclusively about our appearance. Some of that is noticeable, but more than just appearance, it could be our behavior or it's our uh, actions in the world, not just within ourselves. And so when we talk about the conditions of our life and having a sense of well-being for ourselves and others, we're really looking at or inquiring about true beauty. What is true beauty within ourselves, within others? And we all have our uh, checklist of 
what might be considered beautiful among someone or in the world. But I think that we who practice the Dharma have a appreciation of the beauty within each one of us, the possibility of waking up, sharing, compassionate, having understanding, patience. These are the true qualities of beauty in our heart that we have the opportunity to develop and to share with everyone, all beings. So it's not just those who are making headlines in the media. It's with our own headline in our own head, our heart, where we can find true beauty. Because true beauty, true, true inner beauty is not generic. It's not just a kind of a um, exotic. It's being a human being in full sense of the world word. So our inner beauty is really not generic, it's not exotic, it's not unavailable. It's available. And our practice is growing in recognition of the inner beauty of ourselves and others. So that we're not being swayed by the winds of change but really recognize our own inner beauty. And in the process, we begin to understand more deeply what is it that obscures our recognition of our own beauty and the beauty of others. And so some ways practice is a growing uh, recognition, being sensitive to recognize what is it among, between people that is really um, supportive, uh, caring, creative. How is it that these qualities are really the beauty of ourself and others? These qualities of inner beauty are the default setting of a bodhisattva one who is responsive in their heart, developing love to all, being generous, living simply with integrity. And while we know these words, we have a sense of them, we may not see a lot of examples or just people explain, uh, exp showing their experience of these qualities. So when we talk about the uh, beauty in the eyes of the beholder, we're really talking about the attributes of our inner beauty. So I wanna speak a little bit about what inner beauty looks like or acts like. There's a lyrics of someone I'm f something I'm familiar with. It says, 
be all you can be. Be all that you can be. And do we know, really? We know how we are now, how we respond, how we act, uh, who, are, who are friends, whatever. But is that all you can be? And what is it going to take to really manifest the fullness of our own heart? Both within ourselves and in our relationship with others. So the question is, can we see the best in others? Can we accept ourselves as the best within us and take the opportunity to, to share it with others, to display it through our lives and connect with others? And it's not trying to be some goody-goody or uh, make a name for yourself. We see plenty of that. But within our own heart, in our own simplicity of our own heart and our connections, we can be really caring, really understanding. We can be very compassionate and have an aspiration for the best within ourselves. And it's hard to even inquire, what would be the best within myself? Not to become anything except to develop your own capacities, your own gifts that can be shared with others. We all have the potential and the impulsion to be humanistic, compassionate, to really flourish with all the capacities in our heart. And equally is, can we offer what we can to the world with the, not necessarily the purpose, but with the understanding that how we live, how we act in the world, supports the development of the fullness of anyone's life, of their heart. All beings have great capacity, sometimes not recognized. So practice here, our Dharma practice, is really an invitation to be all you can be. Grow into the fullness of your heart even though we don't know what that feels like or how that's going to manifest. But here we are, we have the opportunity. So I want to tell a story about a friend of mine, now a friend. Um, there was a yogi, a student, a person who came to a retreat. Uh, new, novice, total novice, and somehow in the, just throughout the retreat that Kamala and I were offering, uh, 
he got inspired to what we were saying. And he came to speak with each of us uh, after the retreat. He wanted to uh, take us out to dinner. So we went out to dinner. And this is someone that we just met. No prior. <laughs> and, and so we met and very, uh, the, this person was very open and I wouldn't say transparent, but very compassionately sharing his life. And in the, med in the discussion or conversation, he said to me, I retired from my life, from my job. I had a good job. Conf conditions for fortuitous for me to uh, acquire a tremendous amount of money. And he said, uh, what should I do with it? And I had certain thoughts go through my mind like, whoa, okay. Uh, do I need that? <laughs> or what can I offer this person for him to, he and his wife, to accept the responsibility of doing good? So I didn't know what to say. So I said, well, why don't you go play, play golf, a friend of mine? He said, okay. And little did I know that this fellow was already a superior golfer. And uh, I don't know what level he is, but he's, he's good. And uh, so they went out to play golf. And when they came in from playing golf, so they saw me. Uh, the, the student uh, came and said, I talked to your friend and I saw what he was doing. I want to do the same thing with you. I said, well, okay. Well, now what are we going to do? And how can we use our connection, Dharma connection, and resources, our personal resources, time, interest, compassion, and materials, resources, and what can we do? And neither one of us had any foreknow, for, foreknow, foreknowing of what could be possible. So we both had a very um, humanistic, compassionate vision of how we might use money. And to, from our perspective, how can we be a great benefactor? How can we be compassionate? And so I talked to this fellow. He went out to have dinner with someone, decided to do what we were doing, both of us, me and the, my friend. We'd been in Burma and we had seen the 
tremendous poverty there, but the connection that we had with the Dharma there was also tremendous. And so I said to my friend, I said, uh, you know, this is something we can do. We saw a lot of uh, schools that were in deplorable conditions. And yet they were trying to go to, you know, the kids were trying to go to school, even if there was hardly a roof on the shed that they were uh, practicing, living in, schooling in. And we saw the opportunity to, to offer them school, to build a school for them. And as you know, there's 50, 60 students, and we figured out how many rooms they needed and what it would cost, and we built a school for them. And this puts, you know, 50, 60 students in the school. And that was our gift. But others, neighborhoods, uh, saw what happened, that we had offered a school to this uh, kids, to this, this um, village, and they came to see if we could offer them a school. Well, we checked it out, saw the conditions, counted the number of students, and we said, okay, can we afford? Is this what we want to do, is build another school? Well, some of you know the story. That was 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. And in that time, we have built over 100 schools, a dozen or more clinics, clinics putting in water lines for places that don't have any water lines. And it's just like it has been an outpouring of our generosity, our commitment, our compassion, and others have joined us in offering this unforeseen opportunity. This, uh, this ability to recognize opportunities in our own life takes wisdom to recognize, hey, there's a potential here and we can support it. And in your own life, there are conditions in your life and there are conditions within your own heart that can allow you to support others with compassion, with your wisdom, with your understanding. Can we manifest the goodness, the best within ourselves? That's the question we can ask ourselves. What can we do with our life to really make use of our precious life? As I said, now we've been going to Burma for uh, 15 years, maybe and over 100 schools, and it's still going on. And more people have offered their funds to do more. This is great. 
this nobility of using our gift of life to support and encourage others. The second quality that uh, is apparent in that is compassion. Being considerate and caring for others. We don't have to solve the world's problems. We just have to see the opportunity within our own orbit of friends, neighbors. And to see that there's room for me or you to make space for others who have needs. To not be so to to critical or judgmental, but to have a refined discernment of what is the need here for this group, this person, to address their, their suffering. It's not to be critical, not judgmental, but it's to recognize that there's suffering in the world. And can we act compassionately without just uh, send our donation to some international um, help agency? That's good. But you yourself have your whole beingness to share with others. And can we find a way to do that? Can we recognize that there's a possibility? and to take it fully in your hand and heart to do what's necessary to develop your own capacity to offer healing with others for being responsive response responsive to others needs not judge them for having a need because we all have challenges in life. We have a body that oh, gets slowly, gets slowly, gets older. We get ill, we get sick. We have the loss of everything in our life. In the end, our own life. What good, what compassionate lifestyle can we activate within our own heart to support, to address what we know of suffering? And if you're paying attention in your practice, you know what suffering we're talking about. So one of the, after some practice, I've been um, reflecting on conditions that I was living with. And one of the, one of the uh, obvious uh, understandings came to me was there's a lot of people who have no home, have minimal food, have uh, 
don't have even the, the minimal necessities in their life. All beings suffer aging, sickness, death, loss. And we see it all around us. And can we respond to that with our own heart? One place I used to go to offer retreats, teachings, uh, I, I was I went there and I was put up in a hotel uh, while I was going to be offering the teachings. And in, in this um, city, uh, I would in the hotel and I'd come out of the hotel in the morning and go to a restaurant and have breakfast, then go to do my teaching. And I noticed that when I would step out of the hotel and start walking down the street, there were a lot of people who were living on the street with sometimes a lot and sometimes minimal, minimal personal possessions. And it was really um, unnerving to me to see those people that were living on the street, if you will. And it really caused my heart to ache, to quake. So I reflected on that fact that there's a number of people like that. And because I didn't, I live out in the country, there's not actually a lot of uh, homeless or people that don't have homes or even money or food uh, immediately close to where we live. And so I asked, I went to, oh, and the other thing is, I was afraid of people living on the street. I had never done that. And I just, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know how to treat them. I was just like, but I was afraid of them. And I recognized I am afraid of the people. And I said, I'm suffering. I may think they're suffering, but I'm suffering because I'm afraid. So I said, uh, I can do that. I, only I can address that. So I made an uh, aspiration that I was going to meet and greet people who are living on the street in a city that I didn't know anything about. And so I come out of the hotel in the morning and there's a number of people and I just, you know, I made the vow I was going to meet them. So I started to meet them, to greet them and didn't know really what to do, except I said, how's it going? What's going on today? Where did you sleep last night? Did you have breakfast yet? And just engaging with these people that I didn't know, but I could see the need and in offering that care and that small change, pocket change, to support someone's breakfast and whatever, I got to the point where I was mm, uh, meeting and greeting a lot of people who were living on the street or having no 
uh, particular home visible. And what I noticed and discovered is that people who apparently don't have what I would say is, you know, their stable lifestyle like we all have. But those people that seem so other, other than me are very human. They have their needs for due to causes and conditions that I don't know. And in connecting with them and asking them, how's it going? Where did you sleep last night? What do you need? Breakfast. And made the connection. And after that, it was a joy, actually, to meet and greet people I hadn't didn't know at all. And it's not like I was reveling in their condition, but just the opportunity to develop my own heart. And in dealing with or approaching and responding to individuals with those conditions, I could recognize that there's a big issue, a big problem, or a big uh, opportunity to be proactive in the situation. And I had no aspirations. There was no belief that I could sell, solve anything. But I knew that I could be compassionate and generous with the person in front of me. Maybe it's only one, each meal, twice a day, whatever. I could make a difference in someone's life. And for them, there was some reward, some benefit, some compassion being expressed. And I got to say that everyone that I approached and talked with and offered a minimal support for them, they were very appreciative. And for me, it was a great uh, learning lesson that we're all human. We all can support, support each other. And when I would offer, uh, talk with them for a while and then offer um, enough for breakfast or whatever, and have a conversation with them, when I left, when we ended our conversation, I recognized that the gift that I'd offered them was recognition and love. It might be a dollar, it might be two, it might be five, but it's love. I recognized them, their humanity and the caring about them. And while I don't live in a, town, a city like that all the time, when I do go to a city and see this opportunity, I take it to support others. So only with awareness 
only with compassion, only with the, um, the potential that I have to offer someone. Living in a community where I did in a small island in the middle of the Pacific, um, in, in Maui, um, the resource, resources there are not like all on, on the mainland. This was 10, 10 or 20 years ago, but it's getting built up now. And there was a need for facilities there. Maui was a pretty, uh, I wouldn't say it's backward, not, a, not that at all, but it was not as developed as on the mainland. So one of the deficiencies was that we didn't have a good water system. And so I wanted to get a water system for our neighborhood and to see that we could do that and to take the opportunity to mm, not for self owning whatever but to um, share for others and to use the resources and the creativity that I and others had and being responsive to the conditions. And even though it looked pretty ominous, like what you can do in that situation, there's a real uh, resourcefulness in people. And if we can acknowledge that and tap it, then there's a lot of creative that creativity that can help and be compassionate to a lot of people. And so we took the opportunity to uh, develop the support for um, developing water system, let's say that, in Maui. I'd had experience in Burma also developing smaller, smaller projects. But when you look at some projects, you know, whether it's building schools or building hospitals or clinics or uh, whatever, water systems, it's like, how can I do this? I don't even know what's involved and how much is it going to cost? And when can we do it? Can we do it? And there's all kinds of questions to kind of, seemingly offer roadblocks to manifesting our aspirations. And as you all know, if you try to do anything, there's obstacles, there's problems you got to deal with. You got to deal with people and conditions and finances to move forward in your life. Now, whatever it is you're doing, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying, if you have that aspiration for yourself, for your neighbors, your others, then you can expect that. 
And it's our uh, responsibility. It's our commitment to be wise, to be compassionate, to be generous with our time, our resources, our knowledge. And this is, this is what it means to be a good human being. Without, without uh, inflating yourself or not, uh, not put yourself up as anything other than just a caring person. But a lot can be done. Just caring with wisdom. Whether it's schools and clinics in Burma or handling with poverty, if you will, homelessness in a big city or smaller project is developing a water system for a community. We all have this potential to find, to have this within ourselves, to recognize need and to recognize that you and I have capacity to address it. We don't have to solve everything. We just have a compassionate, caring, energetic piece of it. So it's important that we recognize our potential in living in the world to develop our own sense of well-being and sharing that well-being with others. We don't have to just do it for ourselves. If you're doing anything for yourself and or others, great. That's manifesting the Dhamma wisdom and compassion in your own heart. And we all have an opportunity. We all have knowledge, resources that can be helpful with those that we look to out to help. It's our, it's our gift. It's our opportunity. The Dharma offers the world to us if we're open to receive it and to respond to what you see. Thank you for listening to my expression of interest in the Dharma and compassion. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.